Would you please stand for the call to worship, which is printed in your bulletin? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone, someone might possibly dare to die. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your presence with us today. Please help us to listen and receive what you have for us during this service. In Jesus' name, amen.
It is wonderful to see you as we gather in worship today, praising the Lord our God and opening our hearts to Him. Let me invite you to uh, take a moment and share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship this morning. So you may have noticed, if you look in the bulletin, that today is a Sunday when we recognize and honor our youth group, and particularly our high school seniors. We have a number of our high school students, junior high students, who will be helping us worship today, and we're excited about that. And we are just so grateful to have the young men and women as part of our church, and we value them, and it's exciting to see them and to see them involved in worship and in helping us as we worship together. So there are a number of things that we'll be doing this morning in relation to our high school ministry. And uh, Kathy Hilsher is going to share just a little bit about her involvement in working with uh, the youth of our church. So, four years ago, Pastor John asked if I would be a small group leader for youth group. And I said yes. And I walked in being totally new to being involved in this youth group here at this church and how things are done. And I got a group of seventh grade girls who are also really new to youth group. And we had to sort of figure it out together. And it really started with a ton of silly, crazy, loud games that we played, lots of laughter, and a ton of chocolate that I gave them, which probably increased their energy significantly. Um, and their energy and enthusiasm was contagious, and I was hooked. And I spent that year with them, and then the plan sort of has been that as a small group leader, you would stay with them through the process, hopefully until they graduate, and just see them grow and mature and walk alongside them in their journey. And so I've been with them for four years now, and they have two more years, and hopefully they'll let me stay with them for two more years. Um, And the change in the group has been dramatic. They've changed in their relationships with each other. They've changed in their relationships with God and the things that they talk about. And the silly games have sort of gone by the wayside. They don't even ask to play them anymore. And it's changed from a little bit of laughter to a lot of conversation. And the conversation is good. And we still have the chocolate because evidently when you give them chocolate, they like to talk more. So the conversation has grown, and their, their desire to serve has grown. And so over the four years, we've started doing service projects, and they've adopted a compassion child within our small group. Her name is Almeida. She's from Haiti. For a year and a half now, they've been writing to her very consistently and contributing to her support really consistently. And it's been exciting to see them develop that relationship. And um, they've been making cards. We make greeting cards together. We send them out to shut-ins and terminally ill children 
and to orphans, and it's been exciting to see them reach out in that way. And they've been making blankets. We just finished making about 13 blankets for uh, Accord in Allegheny County. has a program for a blanket, a book, and a buddy for kids in crisis in Allegheny County. So they spent this semester making blankets. And it's been so exciting to see that happen. And as we've done that, they've taught me so much. They, it's been such a privilege and an honor to be with them as they've grown. And I've seen them grow. And they've challenged me in what I believe and why I believe it. They've challenged me to pray harder, to pray with them and to pray for them on a daily basis. And it's just been so exciting to see them grow from these young girls to grace-filled, kind-hearted young ladies. And to watch their journey has been a great honor. And I can't even imagine what else I would do with my Sunday evenings. Like I look forward to going to youth group and being with them on Sunday evenings so much. It's, it's just been an honor. And so my plug is that if you would like to be a small group leader, we're always looking for new ones. John is always looking for new small group leaders. If you would like to travel that journey with a group of young people, ask John about it. It's a really amazing privilege. Thanks. Our first scripture reading this morning is Psalms 44. Hear the word of the Lord. We have heard it with our ears, O God. Our ancestors have told us what you did in their days, in days long ago. With your hand you drove out the nations and planted our ancestors. You crushed the peoples and made our ancestors flourish. It was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was by your right hand, your arm, and the, fa- and the light of your face, for you loved them. You are my king and my God, who decrees victories for Jacob. Though we push back our enemies, through your name we trample our foes. I put no trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory. But you give us victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries to shame. In God we we make our boast all day long, and we will praise your name forever. But now you have rejected and humbled us. You no longer go out with our armies. You made us retreat before the enemy, and our adversaries have plundered us. You gave us up to be devoured like sheep, and have scattered us among the nations. You sold your people for a pittance, gaining nothing from their sale. You have made us a reproach to our neighbors, the scorn and derision of those around us. You have made a byword among the nations. The people shake their heads at us. I live in disgrace all day long, and my face is covered with shame at the taunts of those who reproach and revile me, because of the enemy who is bent on revenge. All this came upon us, though we had not forgotten you. We had not been false to your covenant. Our hearts had not turned back, but our feet had not strayed from your path. But you crushed us and made us a haunt for jackals. You covered us over with deep darkness." If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God have discovered it, since he knows the secrets of the heart? Yet for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, Lord. Why do you not sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. This is the word of the Lord. 
Um, we wanted to take a few minutes this morning to recognize our graduating high school seniors. And so I'm going to ask those folks, if you're here and you're a graduating high school senior, please come up to the front. Come on up now. And uh, we recognize, uh, we're very grateful for the time that these folks have spent with us. Uh, and uh, as they step out into this new phase in their life, we want to send them off with a blessing. And to thank God for them and to pray over them and to uh, assure them of our, that, our, that our love and our thoughts and our, and our prayers are going to go with them. And so before we do that, I'm going to pass the microphone down. You ready for this? You can do it. So they're just going to tell you their name and uh, where they're graduating from and uh, what plans they may have for next year. All right. Uh, good morning. I'm Doris, and um, I'm graduating from Holden Academy, and I'm going to Laterno University next year. Yeah. Um, my name is Lorinda, and I'm graduating from Houghton Academy, and I'm going to Ohio State University in Columbus. Um, my name is Lily. I'm graduating from Houghton Academy, and I'm going to Lehigh University next year. Uh, my name is Ray. Uh, I'm graduating from uh, Houghton Academy, and I'm going to go to uh, Indiana University of Bloomington. And my plan for next year is studying uh, business in my new college. Um, my name is Wade. I'm gra- I'll be graduating from Houghton Academy, and I'll be attending Houghton College next year. I'm Booker Lydic. I'm graduating from homeschool, and I'm going to be joining the Marine Corps. My name is Ivana, and I'll be graduating from Houghton Academy, going to school in New York City Arts League. My name is Lily. I'm graduating from Houghton Academy, and I'll be going to Grove City College. My name is Grace. I'm graduating from Houghton Academy, and I'm going to Houghton College. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, as I said, we just want to affirm our love for you and our and that our prayers will be going with you. And so in order to do that, we're going to ask that you turn around and kneel at the altar. And anyone who would like to, I'd appreciate it if you just come up. We're going to lay hands on these kids and spend a few minutes uh, praying for them. Would you please pray with me? Father, we want to thank you for bringing these students here to Houghton, sometimes from across the world. And Lord, we know that you have them here for a purpose. We pray that what they've learned about you, Lord, would be a seed planted deep in their hearts and that you would bring others in their path that would help that seed grow. And Lord, help them to know how much they are loved so much by us, but even more by you. And as they move on from this place, I pray that you would draw their hearts to you. 
And I pray, Lord, that you would bless them, that they would feel your love and presence wherever they go. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, we are grateful, as Lori said, for this group of people, this young people who have been with us. Father, we ask for your, your blessing on them now as they go out uh, to the next, next stage in their life, Father. May they recognize your presence with them in every moment. Father, we give them wisdom as they make decisions. Help them to draw close to you in every day, uh, closer every day, Father. And Father, will you just give them the courage to do what you would have them to do, to be the people you would have them to be. I ask for your blessing on them now, Father. Lord, we're grateful for each of these young people kneeling here in front of us. You have given them gifts. You have given them minds to learn. And we pray that in the days to come, they would have a clearer vision of your love for them and of your grace in their lives as they move forward to a new uh, stage of life. May they sense you walking before them and behind them and with them every moment. May they be overwhelmed by your love and the love of your people that would create in them a deeper and deeper desire to give allegiance to you and all that they are and all that they do. We ask this through Jesus. Lord, we're grateful for each one represented here. We think also of others from our community and youth group that maybe in other local churches or unable to be here for each of these, we pray earnestly. We thank you for what their graduation represents in, in what they have learned, what they know, what they have achieved. And we're grateful for that. I pray that increasingly, though, they would know you, they would learn more of you, and your achievement on their behalf. We thank you for the confidence they have, a hopeful spirit and optimism as they graduate and move into something further, more, bigger, grander, more people, more studies or service in the military or elsewhere. But Lord, we pray that even in that confidence and that optimism that increasingly would be a humility and a confidence in what you have done on their behalf and what they, what they will experience from your hand. We pray that no matter what trouble or sorrow or difficulty may be in your sovereign grace, that it would not turn them away from you but toward you. We pray all this in your name.
Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for the many blessings you have given to us. Help us to be filled with joy as we give back to you. Please use these gifts to further your work in the world. Amen.
God who is merciful and who loves to bless us, calls us to come and be honest with him about the deepest places of our hearts. So let me invite you to join me in the prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin. Let's pray together. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Fill us with a desire to want you to change what we are and to direct what we shall be, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Holy Father, as we come to this moment of prayer, moment of, of bringing before you our concerns, our burdens, our lives, our world, we want to give you thanks for how we see you at work in so many ways. We want to thank you for the healings that we have seen and experienced even among us. Thank you for the healing work that you have been doing and are doing in Linda Roth, in John Christensen, in Micah Christensen. And we pray that that they and we will continue to see the glory of your hand bringing about answers to our prayers. Father, as we gather today, we know that there are still burdens and concerns and needs, and we bring each of them to you. We pray for those who are grieving and ask for your comforting presence. We pray for all who are struggling with health issues, for Florence Tuber and Rosalind Danner, for Isabella Doherty, Tim Nichols, for Bob Brown and Louise Princell, for Nancy Cole and Brian Orbacher, for Peter Lingenfelter, Cheryl O'Brien, Ben King, Doris Esepian, for Isla Shea and Sheldon Emerson, for Bill Getty, for Mike Raybuck, Bev Rett, Emily Cricklar, and others on our minds and hearts. May each one know the healing grace of your spirit. Father, we thank you for the ministries of our church. Thank you for the young men and women who are part of our youth group and for Pastor John and all those who who assist him. We thank you for the work you are doing in our young men and women. Father, continue to pour out your spirit upon them. Help us as a church to see that they are not just the church of the future, but they are the church now with all of us. Keep them close to you. Father, we pray for churches around us. Today we pray for the Belmont Gospel Fellowship Church, Pastor Patrick Lyons. May your grace be upon this gathering of believers, this congregation, as they worship you and as they serve each other and as they serve their community and beyond. May they know your blessing. Father, we thank you for the privilege you've given us of caring about this nation and the world. We pray that you will bring healing 
to places where people continue to struggle and recover from disasters and tragedies. We think especially of the people in Hawaii as they are dealing with this volcano. Bring an end to to this eruption and bring peace in the midst of chaos and bring healing and bring peace and comfort. And may your church be a presence for your spirit. We pray, Father, for the needs of our world. We think of places of war and violence bring peace. We think of refugees who are struggling to find safety and a place to call home. May they know that you hear their prayers and you're at work. Thank you for the privilege of being involved in the world. We thank you for the funds that have been raised this year to help with our faith promise support, the supporting missionaries all across the globe. May you continue to bless their ministries and their lives. And Father, we think of the church in Cuba. This recent plane crash, so much grief and pain. And among the, those who were killed, past, ten pastors and spouses. Father, we pray for their families. We ask comfort upon their church, their friends, all who are grieving this loss. We have a hard time understanding these things. But we know that you can bring life out of death. And so this is our prayer. Father, thank you for the freedoms that we have. And this weekend, we especially remember the sacrifices that have been made so that freedom could be a possibility for us. We want to thank you as well for all who have sacrificed to open doors for us to love and to care and to grow and to mature in you and with each other. Father, as grateful as we are for freedom, we want our lives to be about more than our freedom, but about giving our full and complete allegiance to you, serving you, serving one another, sharing Christ's love with others near and far from us. Father, you are a generous God, pouring out blessing far beyond us. We thank you. And we offer this prayer in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, remembering the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Our New Testament scripture reading this morning is from Romans 8, 31 to 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. At this time, children may be dismissed for Children's Church and Junior Church.
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't have to preach here. (laughs) There is no original sermon illustration or brilliant metaphor clever enough to make this any clearer. God's love for us is never in doubt. You have to notice the complete focus on God's love, though. Not our love for him, his love for us. Not our love or our goodness or anything else that we can do to redeem ourselves. Only God's love is strong enough. You may have noticed a made-up word in the sermon title this morning. Unseparatable. Just seemed like the perfect descriptor for the side of God's love shown in this passage. Because nothing can separate us from God's love. You cannot even begin to understand how incredibly much God loves you. Our failures and our blindness and our stubbornness and our pride cannot separate us from God because it's not about us. It's about God's love, which breaks down every barrier, crosses every chasm, and shines into the darkest heart to claim and transform those hearts of stone, our hearts of stone. God does all that, and do you know what we have to do? Okay, (laughs) we've got to say, okay, I believe, and I will follow. If death, life, angels, demons, present and future, any powers, height and depth, and anything and everything else in creation cannot separate you from God's love, I'd say you don't have a whole lot to worry about. And God doesn't leave it there. He wants to bless you. He loves you so much, of course he wants to bless you. Paul brings that up, stating in verse 32 that since God gave up his son for us, it only follows that he wants to bless us. The rhetorical question Paul asks here is, how could God not graciously give us all things since he gave up his own son for us? After all, it wouldn't really make sense if he was willing to sacrifice his son, but he refused to give us any other blessings or good things. I know that I certainly fail to recognize the blessings God gives me, but he does bless us. He blesses me. He blesses all of us lavishly. God doesn't use blessings like a seasoning. He doesn't use them like you use salt or pepper. He doesn't sprinkle us with love once in a while. He blesses us. He gave up his son for us. How could he not love and bless us? And yet, there's a problem, which... Well, a clip from a certain movie helps highlight. Play that. Rest, Highness. I know who you are. Your cruelty reveals everything. You're the dread pirate Roberts. Admit it. With pride. What can I do for you? You can die slowly, cut into a thousand pieces. Hardly complimentary, Your Highness. Why lose your venom on me? You kill my love. It's possible. I kill a lot of people. Who was this love of yours? Another prince like this one? Ugly, rich, and scabby? No. A farm boy. Poor. Poor and perfect. With eyes like the sea after a storm. On the high seas, your ship attacked. The dread pirate Roberts never takes prisoners. I can't afford to make exceptions. 
I mean, once word leaks out that a pirate has gone soft, people begin to disobey you, and then it's nothing but work, work, work all the time. You mock my pain. Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. It's a funny clip, but Wesley kind of has a point. Do you always feel loved? Do you always feel blessed? That was a rhetorical question. <laughs> because sometimes it can feel like life is nothing but pain. It can be a lot harder to feel God's love when your house burns down, or a family member is diagnosed with cancer, your own health begins to fail, you lose a loved one, you're forced to leave a place you love. Some of you have been through these things, others of us have not yet, but someday will. I'm not going to presume to understand your particular struggles, but I know everyone has been through, is going through, or will go through pain. The hard truth is, this passage does not say that you will be spared from that. Paul actually quotes Psalm 44, which says we face death all day long and are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But right after that, Paul says that we are somehow more than conquerors in all of these things. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. I don't know about you, but when I think of hardship, persecution, danger, all those things, I don't see myself as the conqueror. I typically see myself as pretty conquered. Fortunately, that's just because I'm thinking about me and what I can do to try and overcome the pain and the problems. The Christian does not seek to use God to conquer all those problems and difficult things in our lives. No, we can become a different kind of conqueror. We can become more than conquerors, not by pushing through or being tough, but by giving in, by being loved by Him. It's about accepting the love that has chased us down. Because the passage does not say, in spite of all these things, or even though we face all these things, we are conquerors. No, it says, in all of these things, in them, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We conquer the darkness of this world by giving in to God. Jesus, the one who loved us, gave us the ultimate example of being more than a conqueror while facing persecution and hardship and danger and even death. Because he conquered and completely destroyed sin's power by dying. He gave himself up and gave in to his father's plan. He was the sheep that was slaughtered. And we're called to follow suit. It can be very hard to hear, but being considered as sheep to be slaughtered is where we are meant to be. Now, we might not always be facing physical danger and death in everyday life, but... And, well, and we're not always in the middle of a crisis. But we must be willing to die to ourselves and live for God and for those around us every day. Whether facing danger and hardship or not, the choice is always there to present ourselves as living sacrifices, to be Christ to another person. But God does not leave us on our own in that. He blesses us. Remember, verse 32 says he will graciously give us all things... 
the, word, the wording here is actually remarkably similar to verse 37, which says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The one verse refers to God's blessings as all things. The other refers to suffering and hardship as all of these things. I don't think that this is an accident. Is it possible that those blessings and sufferings not only don't contradict each other, but can actually at times be the same thing? In January of 2016, I went with a group of high schoolers to climb Mount Cameroon, the highest peak in West Africa. It was an incredible, unforgettable experience. The views above the clouds were truly awe-inspiring. There were miles of hills of rocks spreading to both sides of the horizon as far as you could see. And the air was fresh and clean, thin. It was incredible. But (laughs) the trip did not comprise of skipping up the mountainside, singing tiptoe through the tulips. It was a long hike. (laughs) During the climb, you'd often see a crest in the mountain far, far off. You'd be determined to get up to that crest because you were sure that had to be the very top of the mountain. Then, when you got to the top of that crest, you would see another one even further away than the first one had been. (laughs) It was exhausting. We spent about nine or ten hours hiking in one day to get to the top of the mountain. And I remember there were times when I was so tired and the mountain was so steep I could not focus on anything other than the very next step I was taking. But I would not trade a single second of that climb for anything, because that mountain was beautiful. I remember realizing afterwards that I had laughed, eaten, and prayed more while on that mountain than I had in probably the entire week before the climb. I could feel my need for God in every painful step. Now, in that instance, I had made the choice to go on that trip. I put myself in the situation. Clearly, we do not always choose the hardships in our lives. We don't always know what's coming before it happens. But God does. And so the truth here is the same. We are not just blessed in or during suffering. We are blessed by it. We are in our prime and at our best when we are trusting and glorifying God in suffering. Look for the beauty in the mountain ahead of you. That is how we can be more than conquerors. Not by avoiding or ending suffering, but by thanking God and looking for his blessings through the pain that we can't understand. We might not see the fruit of suffering. We might not understand God's every purpose in it. But we don't have to. Maybe your neighbor will be blessed by you because of something you went through. 2 Corinthians 1 says that we are comforted so that we might comfort others. Or maybe you will never understand why things happened the way they did. Like Job, who was never given a reason for his suffering. Suffering can be a reminder of our need for God. Despite praying three times, Paul, who wrote this passage lived with the mysterious thorn in the flesh that always kept him dependent on God. Or suffering can be a reminder to praise God in hardship and because of hardship. After all, we were made to praise God 
when in doubt, you can always thank and praise God because it's what you were made to do. And don't forget, you are in safe hands. Nothing can separate you from God's unseparatable love. Christ Jesus died to destroy the power of sin and was raised to intercede in us, for us, and live in us. And that is why no trouble, hardship, persecution, trial, loss, danger, or pain can ever separate us from him. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I would challenge you to thank God for the blessings that bring joy and to look for and also thank him for the blessings in and of pain. To look for the beauty in the mountain that you are facing right now. To lose more of yourself to become more than a conqueror, like the lamb who was slain. And to be comforted by God's love for you, the greatest blessing of all, which cannot be broken by anything in all creation. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning all the people here. pray that you would speak into all of our lives. You would change hearts this morning. I pray that you would help us to appreciate your blessings, both the blessings that clearly bring joy and the blessings that we don't always recognize. Lord, give us humble, repentant hearts that are ready and willing to accept all the blessings you have for us. Thank you. We praise your name this morning. In that glorious name we pray. Amen.
Receive the benediction. May you go out this week in the certain knowledge that in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. Thank you.